You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, as always, we have Cody Tapp and Nick Schwert. And as a matter of fact, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast, fellas. We are happy Chiefs fans after a 44-23 win over the 49ers we got to feel good right i mean all we ever ask of our teams is to blow somebody out hey man do you think you just blow someone out like one time geez and they beat a three and three nfc team by 20 and just so you know by the end of the day the nfc has five winning teams that's it everyone else is below 500 so you know, a three and three NFC team is about as good an NFC team as you can face right now. And I know they had major injuries. There's no doubt about it. But they went all in this week with a move for McCaffrey. They think that they still have it, have a chance for NFC greatness, can do great things. They believe in all those things and still got their ass kicked by the Chiefs. So, yeah, I feel fantastic. So the, for the longest time, the script for the Chiefs has been roll out the first 15 plays score a couple touchdowns, build a big lead, and then all of a sudden let the other team back in it at the end of the game. I will remind you that this was a five-point game with 14 minutes and 16 seconds to go, and the Chiefs won <laughs> by three touchdowns. Yes. So this is the new formula. Get down 10, build your way back into the game, and then if destroy. today was the case, then absolutely destroy one of the best defenses in the NFL. You know what's funny? is like three times this week, this went closer to San Francisco side in Vegas. This started as like the Chiefs are a three-point favorite, then two and a half, then two. Hell, even in our show in Kansas City, Nick, we won our first parlay. We all got our bets right. Let's go. Uh, no big deal. We just took a bunch of teams that should have won by the amount they did, and they won. It was the Chiefs in their game, Ohio State in their game against Iowa, and I chose the Giants against the Jaguars. So it all makes perfect sense. But I think a lot of this, Kayla, comes back to the same thing. It's I said going into this week, and I know, I know, I know the 49ers are shorthanded. But in the end, were they that shorthanded? They were missing one of their better defensive linemen, but they still had Bosa. They still had both wards. They still had a lot of their key defensive pieces in this game against the Chiefs. They were the number two scoring defense in the NFL coming into this game. They've now faced the first or second ranked scoring defense in three of the last four games, and they're averaging 32 points per game against them which would lead the NFL in scoring on its own. So they are leading the NFL in scoring just against top two defenses in the NFL. And you can take, you can chip away. You can be like, ah, the 49ers are more like the fifth best right now or sixth best. And you can chip away at the Buccaneers, who, by the way, they stink, but they don't let up points to hardly anybody. 
So, like, their defense isn't the problem. They just can't score. Like, we can poke holes at it, but the Chiefs have faced a top defense three times in the last four weeks, and they just keep dropping 30 to 40 points. I know they only got 20 against Buffalo, but it felt like they could have had more. And they put up 44 against this. And for an offense without Tyreek, because that was a whole conversation, Nick, they have scored 40 points three times in seven games. Yeah, crazy. I thought I was generous giving us 10 points on our predictions in Friday's <laughs> episode. I should have gotten more. I'm mad I didn't. Well, we are going to dive into everything, starting with this Chiefs offense, who did whatever they wanted, basically, after the interception on that first drive. Andy Reid was in Andy Reid form. We saw a team, we saw glimpses of a team that we've seen in the past. It was an exciting day on offense. What stuck out to you guys? Everything went the Niners way early. We saw Christian McCaffrey out there being way more involved than we thought. I know every Chiefs fan on that first drive was thinking, oh, so this isn't just going to be a goal line package for McCaffrey. They're going to deploy him all over the field. Chiefs defense not ready. Mahomes throws an interception on his second pass of the day when he's trying to fit it into Sky Moore. Andy Reid said afterwards, like, yeah, that was kind of on Sky. Patrick thought he was going to do this. They talked about it. (laughs) And from there on, They didn't miss. And I mean, they collectively as an offense, it's easy to just give all the credit to Patrick Mahomes, but all season long, we've been talking about how we're waiting for these receivers to get separation. It always feels like Mahomes is throwing to someone who's tightly covered. Chiefs receivers ran wild today. Andy Reid called a perfect game. I mean, an absolutely perfect game. And it's games like that that make you appreciate. I know we give them a lot of crap sometimes with the play calling, late game situations, third down calls, getting too cute near the goal line, all that stuff. Days like Sunday remind you that you have one of the best offensive minds in the history of football roaming your sidelines. It may may not always feel like that, but that was a stark reminder of what this offense is capable of with him at the helm. If one of the best defensive players in the NFL says, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see some of that coming. You're like, excuse me? That's what Bosa said after the game. He was like, yeah, they threw some stuff at me I, I wasn't prepared for. You know why? Because they hadn't handed that ball to McColl on that quick jet sweep yet. They hadn't done that. They, they messed around with some of this stuff and moved it through. Or that motion play with Clyde Edwards-Alaire where they had everyone going left. And then Clyde gets it in all that space before his touchdown. That's the kind of stuff you're talking about, Nick. Like they threw off one of the better defenses in the NFL and what has been one of the better defenses in the NFL for years and put them on absolute skates. Look, Kelsey was Kelsey. He had six catches for 98 yards and somehow wasn't the highlight <laughs> of the Chiefs offense for the day. He was just like, he was the thing like keeping the motor running in the early going when they were struggling. Like, I don't know, like they're going to get back in this thing. They're down 10 again. And you're like, no, that's fine. And then McColl and MVS and all these other guys had and you know and, and Juju Smith Schuster obviously all had these huge days. I you know again the 49ers can be shorthanded like they were shorthanded but only to a fault. And the fact that the Chiefs keep putting up these points makes me realize every time we're having one of these conversations about the offense and the things they could do is because we're looking for perfection. I don't mean it as in I think the Chiefs can't score. If we come on this podcast or the show or whatever and I'm like hey, I think they need to use running back screens more or why isn't Sky involved or where's the deep passing game? I say that because I'm looking for perfection. Because if you score more than 40 points in three of your seven games, and a lot of those are against the top defenses in the NFL, I feel like I don't have a lot of room to complain. And today was just another example of that. Nick, it was 
all of their weapons together for their most imp- maybe their most impressive performance of the year. I was really blown away by their performance against the 49ers. And somehow in this game, it looked easier, if that makes sense. Did, Nick, did you see, or Kayla, did you guys see that, the timeline of the breakdown of the Chiefs scoring drives? It included that like failed, that the, the failed field goal attempt at the end of half when the Chiefs had that touchdown called back. Did either of you see that? Yeah, I mean, they threw an interception on this on the first drive of the game and they proceeded to go touchdown, touchdown. There was the botched call, missed field goal into half, then come out of the third quarter, touchdown, 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 touchdown. Chad hit <laughs> the game and punt. <laughs> That's what it took. Child's no play. big deal. Just touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Was a touchdown. Sorry, penalty. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. Like that. Like, if you're just curious of, like, where you rank offensively in the NFL at any point, just ask yourself this question. Kayla, Nick, you can both answer it. How many teams in the NFL do you think are even capable at their peak against the NFL's worst defense? I don't care. Capable of scoring six touchdowns and seven drives. One or two, including the Chiefs. Yeah, you want to take the Bills as the other? It's a short list. Yep. <laughs> That's the list. It's very short. It's two teams. It's the Chiefs and the Bills. Like, that, that, those are the only two teams even capable of it. it. It's so weird because you look at the final score and you're like, blowout. But even in the third quarter, entering the fourth, they throw the touchdown to Kittle. It's a five-point game. But the offense had been moving the ball so well that you just kind of felt like the Chiefs were going to come down and score. And you sort of got this, like, the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. When you're thinking about Andy Reid, you're like, okay, well... <laughs> Reed, Patrick Mahomes, this offense is clicking versus, but we've been here before and we've seen the Chiefs kind of let teams hang around longer than they should. But today it was, hey, we'll go five quarters if we need to. We'll score 58 points if you need us to. Like if they would have scored 30 versus this defense, we would have been coming on here talking about how it was a great performance. They put up 44 points against the Niners. There is a gulf between having a good day and doing what they did. If you'd like one more stat to make you feel incredible, the Chiefs on third down today averaged 26.1 yards per play. So I that I don't know. It doesn't even matter what third down is. That seems like it's going to be successful. <laughs> 26 yards per play on third down. Yeah. 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 Which is a, an utterly ridiculous stat because that means on that third and 20, when they had that perfectly executed screen to Jarek McKinnon, and they got like 26, 27 yards. They did that on every third down. It just didn't look like it because sometimes they were third and two. Like the Travis Kelsey third and one play after they got called short. And he went for 30 yards down the right sideline because it was beautifully designed and they all got towards the middle. They averaged that. They essentially, they, they put up, they put up 20, 26 yards for every time they were on third down. That is how you score 44, by the way. Felt like they could have scored more. Let some points on the board. You know, really disappointed. God, guys, really could have scored like 60. I don't know what else to say. I mean, 44 points. Can we call this, can we forever remember this as the lunar eclipse game? The, the game in which everything on. <laughs> had to happen at the exact same time. Andy Reid had to have the perfect play calling. Patrick Mahomes had to be on his A game, which... Yeah, he was. And the, 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 the skill position players have to be in sync as well, which is the big thing that we just haven't seen up until this point this season. But it all aligned... And that's how you get to a 44-point performance against the best defense fell. It almost felt like a tale of two halves. When we made that awesome drive 
to then kick a field goal and miss going into the half. I was like, here we go again. The Chiefs, between the Chiefs and Mizzou, these teams are slowly trying to kill me. And then <laughs> come back in the second half and then just do what we as Chiefs fans are used to seeing. And it was glorious. I even had a tweet in the first half. I said, per usual, this game is an emo- emotional roller coaster. And by the end of the game, I was like, feels great to not be in a ball on the floor for a game for once. So traditional Chiefs game, right? Get down 10 points, have the lead by halftime, win by 20. You're like, that's not, nobody does that. That's a stupid way to play a football game. It's objectively bad. Just a mini peel behind the curtains here. I do some social media stuff for Arrowhead Pride, and and I put (gasps) out a tweet heading into the fourth quarter that said, and they were up by 12, mind you. San Francisco had the ball and they were driving. But the Chiefs were up by 12 points entering the fourth. That's a good position for any team in the NFL to be in against any other team. It doesn't matter the circumstances. And I said, Chiefs control heading into the fourth. And I got a million responses of people saying, in control? Really? Niners are about to score. I'm like, they're up by 12. But I feel like we're so spoiled where it's like, we need a three-touchdown lead to really (laughs) start to feel comfortable here. Well, Cody, you alluded to this earlier. Do you guys think this was the most impressive performance of the season? Um, So so at first, that that double-digit score... Is supposed to be something like if any, it would almost be the answer would be yes. If any team scored 44 points and was down double digits. But just a reminder of Patrick Mahomes winning percentage went down that amount. Since 2019, here are the winning percentages for every quarterback in the NFL, including the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes at 790, Aaron Rodgers at 733, and Patrick Mahomes in games he's trailed by more than 10 points at 706. And fourth in that list is Tom Brady. So he's below Patrick Mahomes when down 10. So just being down 10 alone cannot be enough to do it. But this was a better defensive effort than the one against the Bucks. They dropped 40 against the top defense. Mahomes looks as good as he ever did. Uh, the running game was working. The defense, even when they... So like, look, to lead off the first drive, they're getting tore up on the run game. And there were still some other moments in that game. They're getting beat in the run game. But when those things happened, instead, they were making key stops at key moments. Nick Bolton was a stud. Chris Jones was great. We can talk about the sacks later, but they were getting those. They, like, all of that combined is, yes, this was their best game. And you factor in the idea that they were coming into this game and only really played Willie Gay halftime. They once again did not activate Trent McDuffie, so they were without their starting corner again. Yeah, this is their best performance of the season. It's close for me between this game and the Bucks game. And the only reason I'll give him the nod over the Bucks game is because the Bucs have now lost to the Steelers and Panthers. <laughs> those, are, those, those are two teams that yeah. are drafting in the top five. Like, maybe one and two. We'll see. But so the Bucks game, like, the, the farther away we get from it, I'm like, ooh, how impressive was that? Cardinals game, final score is almost identical. But same goes for them. Not sure how good they are. And they just didn't look prepared for that game. Given the circumstances of how the Chiefs did it, where it wasn't just a Travis Kelsey four touchdown performance, right? It wasn't doing what you always do. It was doing the things that we've been waiting to see. Get Juju involved. Get MBS involved on some deep shots. McColl has a breakout game. Using some gadgetry, using some misdirection, like all this stuff that we've kind of not seen as much of this year. It was all there, everything you had there. And then you add in the defensive performance as well. If you would ask this question through three quarters, we would have been like, "Eh, I don't know, really this game, you miss a field goal. Mahomes throws an interception on the first drive. This is the one you're going to say is the most impressive, but the way they closed it out, 
Like that's what you want to see this team do is being able to battle back from a from a deficit, hold a lead, and then build on it, and then absolutely go for the, you know, the 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 gut punch at the end. And so that's why that's why I think this game had everything. So I would give it the nod over the Bucks, the Cardinals, whichever one else you want to throw up there. It's not how you start; it's how you finish. There you go. We well, love I to think, finish strong. Like Kayla, I mean, it's it was every, like we're like. Hey, so uh, if, if we had made a checklist on Monday last week, we'd said, all right, everything we want from the Chiefs right now. They're four and two. They're a good team. They're heading towards a bye. What do we want? We wanted Pacheco to play more and to start. Uh, they did that. Um, there's still some, you know, like growth in there, but okay, they started Pacheco. We said, hey, can you, do you guys even have a deep passing game? Uh, yes. Uh, can you guys like finish an opponent? You know, put someone down when you've got them. Yeah. Um, so it's like all the all the complaints we had in one week, all the things that you're like, we could get better at this. They did. They Which did begs the game. question, are they listening? Uh, watching that game, I was like, they've answered everything that we said this week. Deep passing game, check. Play our running backs, spread it out more. Pacheco, check. I mean. My, my last remaining like, hey, can you make a, sh- a change here is Sky Moore cannot return a punt. Yeah, that was. Ever bad. again. We're, we're done there. Okay, right? <laughs> We're good. I don't, I, no more. He didn't return them. Nick had pointed this out in the podcast earlier. He didn't return punts in college. And they're like, you're an athlete and we want value. So get back there. And then all they had to do was like hit a number. And he's like, I don't know, man, this ball's not spinning right. Fumble again. The other time they're like, well, you know, lefty punter. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's what happens when people who've never returned punts before return them. That felt like the weirdest transition of the game when you thought it was all going to go south and then great at the same time. It was, they, 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 they're in field goal range. They're trying to 51 yarder. Toe pulls out his bag of tricks. Beautiful, right? Pulls out his bag of tricks. They fall start. They got a punt. Then Sky Moore muffs it. Then the Chiefs get an interception, drive all the way down the field, score a touchdown, have it reversed on a penalty and then miss a field goal. At that moment of the game, Nick, you're right. I probably would have had no chance of saying this was the best game the Chiefs have played all year. But that was just like a weird two and a half minutes. Not really what the whole game was. It was like a weird two and a half minutes to start the game for the Chiefs and a weird two and a half minutes to end the game. And then other than that, they were dominant. You know what? If the special teams looks like that each week, but also the offense looks like that, I'll take the trade off. I'll take the special (laughs) blunders, the muffed punts, the missed field goals. If the offense is moving it like that, because to your point, both of you guys mentioned this. Next gen stats put this out right after the game. Two, the two longest completions by Mahomes in terms of air yards were today 57 yards to MBS, 40 yards to MBS. So that thing that we talked about, I think it was Wednesday or Friday, mm-hmm. like when will we see will we see this team unleash it? Well, they just happen to do it against the best defense in the NFL. Beautiful. Do you guys think that? those OBJ rumors like lit a fire under them in some way. Like, Oh, we heard the rumors and we're going to prove it on the field that that doesn't need to happen. Hell, even Travis Kelsey was like, I hope they come true. This is the first time in Mahomes' career that he completed two 100 yard receivers. And neither of them was Travis Kelsey or Tyree kill. By the way, he was two yards away from getting three of them because Travis Kelsey finished with 98. This is the first time ever. Patrick Jones in the league a long time, but he's always had Kelsey and Hill. Anytime he gets two guys to go for 100 in the same day, it's those two guys, which makes sense. And instead, this time, it's MBS and Juju Smith-Schuster, both who were available for 
what I would call pretty small market deals by the standard of what the NFL is paying wide receivers. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Nick, when you mentioned those air yard things, it just maybe it was all a big, you know, like they were just waiting for some team to make the mistake to get close enough to the line of scrimmage to force their hand. But both of those were beautiful passes from Mahomes, And this is why we're feeling so good about this game. I've missed that deep ball from a Holmes to anybody. Yeah. So chef's kiss there. The only thing I feel like we got cheated on was a Kelsey touchdown on national tight end day. That made me sad a little. Uh, George yeah. Kittle got one so he can try to, you know, plant his flag as best. And, and Noah Gray and Jody Fortson both had receptions. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. They got everyone involved. Jody Fortson had a catch not in the red zone. So yeah. we saw a unicorn today. It was a nice treat. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Well, we're going to move on. Guys, all the most polarizing Chiefs players had huge days. You had Clyde, McColl, Frank. What stood out to you each the most? Well, McCole Hardman, four catches, 32 yards, and a touchdown. Not that impressive. Then you look at the rushing totals. McCole Hardman finished the game <laughs> with two rushes, 28 yards, and two touchdowns. He's good for this about once or twice a year. And I don't think it's anything more than Andy Reid saying, hmm, well, what do the, what what the Niners like to do defensively? Okay, this is going to be a McCole day. If we get into the red zone, we've got the the same play with three or four different variations that we're going to run and see if they're ready to stop it. And that's what I think is the, the true brilliance of Andy Reid is I'm convinced that he will run plays like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. He'll run plays that don't work. And we'll all say on like third down, they're running a jet sweep. And you say, what the hell are you doing? Just because he knows he's going to pull out something different in two weeks and the defensive coordinator is not going to be ready for it because he's going to be preparing for that thing that he saw on tape three weeks ago. McCall Hardman benefited from that today because he hasn't been super involved in this offense, even with the departures and all the fresh faces. You think, okay, he knows this playbook. This guy's primed for an increased role. Hasn't been there. But today they utilized him, got him in space, you know, just being fast, being twitchy and, and making a few guys miss. And he punches it in three times. So McCall, perhaps the most polarizing player on the Chiefs offense over the last four years as a uh, career day. So shout out number 17. I kind of was hoping they'd get him four touchdowns right after they did it for Travis. And it yeah. seemed like an anomaly. <laughs> he got to three and I'm like, you know what? When they were going down there to score that one again and uh, Juju ruined it by doing such a great job running after the catch to get his own score. He's like, I mm -hmm. oh, know, man, get tripped up at the three. I want to see another McColl touchdown because I think it's funny. And the Chiefs had clearly had the game in hand there. Clyde is really interesting to me. I know that we can mention Frank and there's a couple of other guys in here that have been polarizing and had big days. The thing that was really interesting about Clyde today was they had benched him essentially, right? Not fully. We knew they, they were still going to give Clyde touches. We knew he was going to be involved in the offense, but the report came out that they were going to go to Isaiah Pacheco. And then some of the national reporters, uh, I would say bought into what the chiefs were trying to sell. Like, Oh, they love this guy. They thought he could be like Kareem hunt in his rookie year. I'm like, Okay, slow down. They did not think that because they gave him two. They gave him two touches last week. Nobody who thinks 
They have the NFL's leading rusher behind their starter. Gives them two touches in any week. So the Chiefs are full of shit on that. So that's fine. But so even though they're trying to spin this web of Pacheco's our guy, we have no choice. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're embarrassed their first round pick's not starting anymore. Clyde was his most productive. He averaged five and a half yards a carry. He had an incredible touchdown in which, look, he was very open. But that's the thing we complain about Clyde all the time. He can't run through the open hole. And he did that to perfection for the touchdown. To me, he did exactly what I would want him to do in a reserve role. He was what I dreamed he would be as the number two back. He worked great in that role because he's harder to prepare for. You get to use him more creatively. You don't just run him up the damn middle. You knew the second the game started, they were going to play Clyde. You knew from that beginning they were going to do it. And I know we're going to talk more about Pacheco in a minute because they were still having Pacheco do kick returns. But I was I was really happy with Clyde's performance. I thought they gave him the ball six times. He was effective in those six times. What more do I need from him? Kayla, I want to hear your answer, but I also want to note that Clyde scored his sixth touchdown of the season today, which uh, ties his career high. And <laughs> Friday, I said I wanted more out of him and I wanted to see him in the end zone. Well, Thanks, you got Clyde. that. I, they are listening, by the way. I'm <laughs> They're big fans of it's always game day in Kansas. City. Huge, <laughs> huge listeners. We are appointment listens for them. I'm sure. Um, well, it's got to be Frank Clark. Cody, I know you have somewhat of a love hate relationship with him. He had a big day. One and a half sacks. Um, he, he was on today. Lucky he for iced us. The game. He iced the game. He yeah. Did. When Kayla, the way the way Nick described McCole Hartman is how I would describe Frank Clark. He's good for it twice a year. So I wouldn't get your hopes up. I wouldn't just be like, Frank's back. We're good. Like I, I fell into that trap. I, I did a really good job up to this point in my radio career, not doing that. And then he got skinny in training camp and I'm like, all right, go on. I'm listening. And then he looked like he was moving pretty quick. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think I like what I see here. This is going to work. And it didn't. He was terrible for a bit. I think that this is Frank's two times a year game. Look, I, if that game happens to be in an AFC title game or a Super Bowl, that's why you keep him on the roster. That's why you ignore CBS sports articles that say you should trade him for a fifth. No, I'll just keep him on the roster. And for the twice a year he does this today, cool. Worth it. Great. Sounds nice to me. No one thinks that Frank's turned a corner, do we? He did um, all back plays, too. Let's yeah. motor. If I see a glimmer, then I'm all in. Yeah. yeah, that's most of us. We just, we want to believe that defensive ends are good. We're like, this is the moment. It'll all happen. Kayla, don't. Just trust me. Don't fall into the trap. Just okay. be like, good job, Frank. You helped them win the game. You were great today. The pass rush was great today. Uh, but don't think that Frank's getting a sack in the next game just because of that. I know we're heading into the bye week, but don't. So you're just, saying just accept that this is a happy moment, but don't get your hopes up. Yes, that's correct. Isn't that, doesn't that pretty well describe every single game of Frank Clark's career, except for that seven game stretch in the Super Bowl year? What if this is the beginning of that seven game stretch? But it only was that once. I used to, have to listen to other people. He's skinny now. You just said it. He's skinny. He's in great shape. Look, I lost, look, I, I felt I lost 45 pounds this year. Remember, Nick? And I was like, I'm feeling good. But then you realize you're still, I still lost a hot dog race to you. It didn't solve my problems, Nick. It didn't solve all. <laughs> Problems. I wasn't just better at things. <laughs> you still are who you are. Great inside joke, by the way. 
No one else who's listening to this. I know. Maybe Mitch it's a race, story. hot dog race at Kaufman Stadium um, against us and Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. And I lost to Nick. Pete cheated. So I still feel like I finished second. But uh, Nick clearly beat me. There's just no denying it. Is there video footage of this? Oh, yeah. yes. It's yeah. pinned to my it's pinned to my Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to go look that up after this. Please yeah. do. All right. Well, we'll remain cop- uh, cautiously optimistic with Frank then. That seems fair. Um, keeping along the same lines, the Chiefs pass rush had their best day of the year with five sacks. Are we allowed to be happy about that, Cody? <laughs> yes, that that for sure. <laughs> well, so the Chiefs have been really weird. They, for the first like three games... They were a top sack team in the like a top five six sack team in the NFL, and then for the next three games they were they were really bad. Like they were averaging two point three sacks per game the first three, then one point three sacks per game after that, and it was just like, okay, so the the you know like it's midnight and the the carriage is turning back into the pumpkin. This isn't going to work. Is is kind of how it felt, and then today they show back up and get five sacks and they find themselves back into the top ten in the NFL, and you're like. Oh, oh, you know what? Maybe they're just going to be spotty. Like, not Frank Clark's body where you're just going to expect it here or there. But, you know, they, they're they kind of, they're like a mix there. The most intriguing part of the pass rush that works for me is, this is now the third game in a row that Chris Jones has gotten a sack. And it is a third game in a row that Chris Jones has gotten a sack from the defensive end position. Hmm. They use him there anyway. And we talked a lot about the failed experiment of Chris Jones at defensive end, but he's playing there more, more and more. They stopped. They they figured we'll give up things like run defense so that Chris Jones can get the quarterback. And I'll be honest, it's working. That is a very real strategy that can work. Like Frank Clark's got to be great for them to get five sacks in a game, but I feel great about it today. By the way, Cody, you didn't even say this, but I know exactly what you did. And I don't even know if you know that you did this, but you subconsciously are crediting Chris Jones for the sack on Derek Carr that turned into a fumble, but was also not. A oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. The passer. But to your point, he hit the quarterback three times. Well, I'm fumbles. counting that. I'm counting and the, it. And the major overarching point there is he got that sack on the edge. Yes. So there is some usefulness to it. And I loved like sort of the full circle from last year where they started the season with him at defensive end. It looked like an absolute disaster until they just moved him back interior the full time. I love that they didn't just completely give up on it. They said, no, there's something there. This guy is dominant. He beats everybody he goes up against. Let's move him to the edge. Let's move him around. Let's see what we can do. Two sacks today. He's now got five on the season. He is pacing to have his best, most productive season in five years since the 15 and 15 and a half sack season. So I mean, it's kind of the same story. Now we're seeing the production to go along with the dominance. We said it for like the first month and a half of the year that this guy's playing great. He just doesn't have the sacks to show for it. Now he's starting to get the sacks. I forgot how much safety, how much fun safeties are. Great. Aren't they? Yeah, they are just fun. Like, it, <laughs> I don't know what it, it's like the, it's the most useless play because you only get two <laughs> points, but it's just like it's the biggest momentum swing that you can yes. get because you get the two points, you get the stop on the ball right back. back. All of those things are huge. And oh, by the way, here's the ball. And we're not even going to kick it to you. We're going to punt it to you. So you're probably going to start with the ball at like the 40 yard line. You know, is maybe the most encouraging thing about the sacks. They were from the defensive line. I know that sounds stupid, 
But that's not where the Chiefs sacks come from all the time. They lead the league in sacks from other people, linebackers, safeties, and corners. For Up until today, the, the tied leader for sacks on this team was a cornerback. The guy in second was a linebacker. Like, by, so the, Chris, way, by the way, Legereus Sneed did get another half sack. Today. He did. He did. He's still not on pace for 12 sacks, but God, <laughs> God, he's so good at getting to the quarterback. And the Willie Gay one, they just forgot Willie Gay was on the field. They, his half sack, they were like, oh, no, Willie Gay. I, damn it. Should we have blocked him? <laughs> like, probably. Yeah. I mean, I guess. But Frank Clark was one and a half. Jones was two. Like for And Saunders was the half sack. So, I mean, for three and a half sack or two, you know, like for that many to come from your defensive line, five, four sacks come from your defensive line. Yeah, I'm not going to ignore that. To me, it's like mo- I'm more optimistic on that existing than Frank Clark in its own right. But it just, uh, you know, it's still like how consistently can you do it? Because they got a lot of pressure today on Jimmy G in the second half. Moving on then, Isaiah Pacheco gets the start, but it's clearly still running back by committee. We got our wish. Did we like what we saw? Yeah. I mean, what's not to like, right? I mean, here's the thing. Andy still didn't run the ball. Uh, could you imagine me complaining about that after they put up 44 points and Patrick Mahomes was dominant? No, I'm good. Um, 14 carries between the two running backs and then McColl's two rushes, which were all pretty effective. So let's call those 16. And Jarek McKinnon had a couple more. So they gave the ball 18 times to the running backs. They technically ran it 21 times, but I want to make it clear that those are because uh, Chad Henney knelt three times. So let's 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 let those go for now. Um, he was what we thought. He runs with a full head of steam directly downhill. I think I thought he missed a chance to cut to the outside on one. I don't care. Um, I will take that trade off because unlike any other back that they have rolled out there this year, he just runs hard and fast. And Nick, as much as we talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire run from last week, where it seemed like he should have gotten the edge on a one-yard, a two-yard gain and didn't get there. He got tripped up, didn't break the tackle. Do you see? It ended up being a holding call. It had nothing to do with Isaiah Pacheco getting to the edge and running for 10 yards. Because that really happened. He beat his guy to the edge. He got around the corner and he did it. To me, I saw what I wanted to see at Pacheco. Enough to want to see it again next week, which I think is or two weeks from now because of the bye, which I think is the most important. Yeah, I think... Nobody was naive enough to think that all of a sudden they were just going to hand the backfield to Pacheco and that he was going to give 15 carries or 15 touches even. Like, you know, this is always going to be by committee. And you look at the, the breakdown of his snap count. Once again, Jarek McKinnon still outsnapped all the backs. He had 23. Pacheco had 18. Clyde had 17. That was kind of what we said, wasn't it? That you didn't need to see Pacheco dominate touches or dominate in snaps. You just wanted to see it a little bit more competitive with he and Clyde because we knew he wasn't competing with McKinnon. No, nobody's competing with McKinnon, quite frankly. He's their third down back. He is their pass catching back because they trust him so much to be a pass blocker. So that makes him kind of on his own level. All we wanted to see was, okay, there's clearly from a talent standpoint, from a value, what value do you bring to our offense? There's not much of a gap, if any, between Clyde and Pacheco. We want the, the snap count to represent that. And that's what we saw today. I, and again, I think that the one-two punch I mentioned earlier is what was nice about it. Pacheco was a grinder, right? He averaged what he has been averaging all year, which is better than five yards a carry. So he was great in his moments. He had some long runs and some short ones, but 
you know, when it, it all bore itself out all year, he's been averaging five yards a carry tonight. He averaged five yards a carry, but it made Clyde look better. Like the running game looked better with him first, the hammer, then Clyde next McKinnon sprinkled in using McColl where you want. Like it, it made it all just kind of function better. Like I, and it's one game. So I'm not going to try to pretend to you that that like okay we're good, but it 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 reinforced what we have been asking for. We asked for this because we thought it could be better. I'll be honest. I we asked. I think maybe it was this podcast. Maybe it was a show in Kansas City. It doesn't matter. I got asked. Hey, so we're doing all this. We're talking about Pacheco. Anyone think they actually do it? And I think my thought was no. This is one of those things I asked for but don't get. I don't know whatever Christmas present you wanted as a kid that you were determined to get never came around. That's what it felt like with Pacheco. We'd be waiting till week 14, still wondering whether or not he would get there. Like, no, I don't think they're actually going to do it. I just want to say it out loud because it's what I want and give it to me. And I didn't think that that was going to happen. And instead they actually right away go to Pacheco as the starting back. What more could we ask for? Do you guys think that we'll see him as the starter from here on out? Yeah. I think that's it. I think once you make that transition to starting a seventh round rookie from your first round pick a few years ago, I think you've made Cody, it. do you hear yourself? Do you you just laid out all the reasons why we should never believe what we see with <laughs> you're like is it? It's Pacheco's team now. Problem solved. I didn't mean he like he's just gonna be like thirty carries a game and Clyde gets two. I just think he'll return the kick and then the first handoff will also go to him. I still think there's going to be days where we go, wait a minute, did Pacheco play today? Oh, no. God, I hope that those times are different. Come on. We know Andy Reid well enough at this point. Oh, you're probably right. Can it, I think he absolutely looked like RB1 out there. You know what's stupid? It's like, For sure, yeah. Is a, God, you, like, you think that as an adult, you, like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty skeptical. I don't believe them. Earlier in this podcast, I said the Chiefs were full of shit on something that they clearly were about Pacheco. But I still let Andy Reid fool me. I thought all week, all week, I'm like, oh, man, Trip McDuffie's going to play back in the secondary. And then Friday, Andy said, we'll see. And I was like, what? Oh, oh wait. What'd you say? What was that? Wait, hold on. All week he was practicing. And you told me on Monday that if he practiced, he could play. And then on Friday, he hit the we'll see. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, oh no. Something's, something's afoot. <laughs> why, why did I see this coming? I still let teams fool me, Nick. Not Frank Clark, but I'll still let Andy get me, I guess. Who knew? All right, we're going to move on to our winners and losers of the game. Who wants to go first? I mean, there's, there are a lot of choices in this one, but I'll, I'll take MVS because the deep passing game was a real concern of mine. It just, and I don't think it's unfair, but it was a real concern of mine because it just didn't exist and they weren't really trying it. And to see that exist in their offense made it all work again. I think it's what may, makes the back shoulder throws to Juju work. They did some things in the game today. This is almost like I almost gave my winner to Andy Reid. They did some things in the game they hadn't called this year. Back shoulder throws 20 yards down the field didn't exist in this offense. Deep throws didn't exist in this offense. And Andy was just pulling out all the new stuff. Like he had it all going again. We're going deep. And I think a lot of it came down to protection. The deep throws might not have been Mahomes. It might not have been talent. On both of those MVS throws, Patrick Mahomes had all 
day. Hell, the only deep pass he completed today that he didn't have all day, he threw a lollipop up to Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field who caught it. So that was the only one I remember him getting hit on, and he was throwing it to Kelsey, so the rules don't apply. MVS is my winner because I wanted a deep passing game, and they had it. And quietly, MVS is... I mean, I don't have to run the numbers right now. I can do it here in a second, but I think quietly MVS is on pace for like 900 yards, which is better than he's ever been at wide receiver. And I thought we had kind of firmly settled into him just kind of being who he was. Uh, my winner is Call of Duty. The video. Oh, game. yeah, that's yeah. a good one. So everybody, <laughs> everybody on Twitter this week saying, you know what? I'm tired of these Call of Duty commercials. They're too long. I'm tired of seeing it every Sunday. You bite your tongue because after the game, Juju Smith-Schuster, when asked about developing chemistry with Patrick Mahomes, said that on Friday, he, Mahomes, Kelsey, and MVS all went and played uh, Call of Duty Warzone together and that they won three straight games, which is very difficult to do, he added. And that he said that that moment and playing video games and saying like, hey, there's somebody behind you. Hey, let's move up to the second floor. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. The communication (laughs) they put on display on Call of Duty translated to their high-octane performance on Sunday in Santa Clara. So you know what? For all the knocks that we have against video games, Sunday showed why they still are, are, are an invaluable piece of society because they fueled the chiefs to a victory and yet whatever they gotta do and this is another point that elite quarterbacks can just do things other ones can call of duty bad for kyler murray makes him terrible (laughs) call of duty fantastic for patrick mahomes (laughs) makes him great by the way patrick mahomes was asked about it and he was very he was very careful to point out like i'm not very good and i don't play very often i don't have time to play very often (laughs) but (laughs) good night on friday because the last thing he wanted to do was get the kyler treatment (laughs) <laughs> they're never going to put it in his contract i'll tell you that much so it doesn't matter kayla who's yours uh my winner is our wide receivers juju led in yards at 124 with a touchdown mbs three receptions for 111 yards we finally got to see some deep balls and then mccall the first wide receiver in the super bowl era with two plus rushing touchdowns and a reception touchdown in a single game none of that had tyree kill in there by the way so McCole i felt out- i finally felt good about the wide receivers McColl out Deboing Debo Samuels. Impressive. Yeah. Like, I know you guys like to hand it off to your running back, but what if I just did it and better than you today? <laughs> by the way, I looked it up. MVS is on pace for 896 yards, by the way. He Ooh. was never better than like a 730-yard receiver in Green Bay. So it, it's early, and I don't know that those numbers will hold because he's coming off. I'm choosing the peak time to give you those numbers. I don't think he'll come off 111 yards in his next start. But from a wide receiver perspective, Kayla, I mean, you're right. He had zero catches for zero yards in their last game, and he's still on pace for 896. I mean, it's boom or bust, just like it was in Green Bay, but maybe there's more boom? I like what I saw today. I know that. Are we going to do our losers? Um, so I don't think anybody, uh, I, I, well, I don't know. Sky more in the punt game is <laughs> it's certainly, a it's, it's, it's certainly a, a conversation in there, but for the first time, I don't want to give a loser to cheese. Cause I thought they played their best game of the year. Okay. And, wow. Great. And so I will give my loser to someone who's vastly overrated and Nick knows exactly what I'm going for. Jimmy G who made an absolutely miserable pick on the goal line and is hugely overrated in his career. 
and showed all of that today. And it it warms my heart as someone who is constantly ridiculing Jimmy G for his terrible play. It felt good to see it once again in action. He made, he had one good drive in which he got pressured a bunch and made some passes. And then other than that, he was awful. I just like the record to show Cody has a vendetta against a track. <laughs> he, <laughs> hates, <laughs> he hates the most are Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek. Brady. Oh, oh, first first oh, of Jer- all, Jimmy G is significantly more attractive than Jeter. Let's just establish that now. This is not the point of the conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying there's levels of handsomeness too. I also think Derek Jeter's handsomeness is overrated, just like his play. I would agree with you. Okay. Uh, wow. My loser... My loser from uh, today's game is everybody in the AFC. No, you know what? Everybody in the NFL, other than the Chiefs and the Bills, because those are the only two teams who have a chance at winning the Super Bowl. That's it. So the loser. I literally have that in my notes. The Bills didn't play today. <laughs> the Chiefs dominated the best defense or the second best defense in the NFL. So the real loser is the other 30 teams because they had to watch that and said, well, I guess we're just playing for second place because you don't have a chance. There are, there are the Chiefs and the Bills, however you want to do tiers, and then everybody else. The Chiefs in a rebuild year, Nick. How do you think that feels for the other teams? <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Um, my loser is when you guys hear America's Game of the Week, what does that sound like? Uh, Chiefs, I would say this. Chiefs against one of the better NFC teams is probably in the ranking. If it's not a Cowboys game, then yeah, probably the Chiefs, one of the best teams in the NFL. Okay, well, unfortunately, not all Americans get to watch America's Game of the Week. I (laughs) once again found out because the local CBS or Fox affiliate, by the way, this is not a knock on Fox. I used to work for Fox. I love Fox. But this is a knock on LA, thinking that we would rather watch Chargers Seahawks than that game in Santa Clarita. America's Game of the Week should be available to all Americans. That is my loser. Who? Who? who just who? <sighs> who was pining for Seahawks Chargers today? You you show me the cross section of that fan in California. Just dying to watch that one. There's the probably a bigger Chiefs fan base here than Chargers, to be honest. My the brother, Chiefs, the Chargers fan base in LA is very small. My brother-in-law is from LA. His family's from LA. All his family still lives there. He has three brothers. None of them are Chargers fans. Zero. <laughs> I don't know a Chargers fan. I don't. I don't know one single Chargers fan. They're all either Broncos or Raiders fans. They just pick a team from somewhere else. We're you know what's funny? That team, though. It's like they're so quiet as a fan base. I feel like the only people I see people mock on Twitter is that one guy. It's like it's not like a bunch of Chargers fans that all of Chiefs Twitter makes fun of. It's just that like Viva LaChuck guy. I've never seen another Chargers account come through on Twitter. It's just that one. Oh, Kayla, I'm sorry you had to find means in which to watch that game because it feels <laughs> like Cody came through. Thank you. <laughs> it's fine. We got through it. And actually, for the first half, I was not kicked out once. And then the second half, I was kicked out again, like every four minutes. It's By fine. then it was a beat down. So don't worry. Yeah. But Nick, just to your point, after this game, I feel very confident in saying that it's the Bills who are the only team in the way for the Chiefs. And other than that, it's just going to be self-infliction. So I feel good after this game. Which is still think, a possibility, but it's a nice yeah. feeling. Yes. We all feel good. We're going into the bye week. So that's exciting. We know how Andy Reid is after buys. Um, and that's going to do it for us on this Monday podcast. Thank you, always, as always, for listening to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tap. I'm Kayla Kinnaram. Hope you all have a great Monday, and we will be back with you on Wednesday. 